What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to this week's episode of Raise the Apple. A little bit delayed this week. I was on vacation last weekend. Went to the Mets game, the middle game of that three-game set with Texas where they lost. Uh, it was an awesome time there. Got to see the Seaver statue. Uh, haven't been to City Field since David Wright night, so it was a lot of fun being there. I wish they won, but it's all right. It was supposed to be David Peterson starting that game, but then Chris Bassett got put on the COVID-injured list which bumped David Peterson up a day. So it was Trevor Williams and the Mets' bullpen on that Saturday. And I'll tell you this. Williams, last night, by the way, Trevor Williams was phenomenal. He's been pretty solid. He's had a couple hiccups throughout the year. But just like every other pitcher, he'll have a couple hiccups. But for the most part, he's been very good. And last night, he was phenomenal. He exceeded everyone's expectations last night. I At 80 pitches... Maybe I would have let him keep going. Maybe he's not stretched out enough to go that far because I think that's the farthest he's gone in terms of innings and pitches with the Mets. But last night, seven innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. You couldn't ask for a better night from Trevor Williams. And I believe the Mets faced one over the minimum in their 10-0 win against the Marlins last night. But with Williams, he didn't do so great against Texas in that game. But I'll tell you what, Cole Calhoun hit two homers. For the Rangers, there's another home run. I can't remember who hit it. So there's three Texas Rangers home runs. They were some of the, uh, what's the right word, softest sounding, if that's the right word, home runs I've ever seen. I have never heard a home run off the bat so quiet as Cole Calhoun's home runs off Trevor Williams. So he's not giving up hard contact. He's not getting crushed. But I don't know if it was just because I was there, and it sounds differently than when you're at home watching on TV. But listening to that, or hearing not barely hearing it off the crack of the bat, I turned to my brother and was talking to him, and I turned around, and Cole Calhoun's running the bases. I was like, what happened? And it, he hit it over the wall. I didn't even hear the crack. No, no, none of us heard the crack of the bat. But other than that, it was an awesome night at City Field. Couldn't ask for a better day. The rain, It was supposed to rain all day. Thankfully, it held off. It rained for probably 10 seconds uh, based on where we were sitting, and then it was sunny the rest of the day. But the Mets did win two out of three against Texas. They barely, <laughs> barely won two out of three against the Reds. The offense came alive in the last game of the series, carried into last night where they won 10 nothing in the first game with the Marlins. James McCann with a home run, J.D. Davis with a triple shy of the cycle, and then a grand slam. Those two guys need to pick it up for the Mets, uh, especially McCann, because that catcher's position right now is the big questions, question mark. You could have Dom and J.D. platoon at D.H. until Mark Vientos is ready, and then you bring up Mark Vientos to be the D.H., but James McCann and Nito and McCann have been great defensively. Both of them have been great defensively. Nito's bat's been solid. He just doesn't get enough playing time. McCann's bat, he has been injured for a long time. If his bat can pick up a little bit, that would be huge. If he could finish the year at like 250 with 15 homers and 40 or 50 RBIs or something like that, I would consider that a, I would take that because right now McCann, I don't like being like this, but right now with the way Francisco Alvarez is performing down in AAA, he is... By the way, Alvarez did get promoted to AAA, but the way he's been in AA and AAA, it seems that uh, McCann and Nito are simply going to be placeholders until Francisco Alvarez comes up, and as soon as Francisco Alvarez is ready, I think the Mets would will have to 
they'll cross that bridge when they get there, but I think they're going to have a tough decision on their hands. But at the moment, Francisco Alvarez is going to be the guy. So James, if James McCann and Nito can pick up the bats just a little bit until that time comes, I think the Mets will be, be in, a, in a great spot. They are looking around. They have talked to the Nationals about Nelson Cruz. They've talked to the Orioles about Trey Mancini in terms of getting a DH in there. But like I've said a million times, we'll talk more about it. More in depth as the trade deadline gets closer and closer, but if I'm the Mets, you got to prioritize either a starter or a lefty reliever, especially since Jason Shreve was just DFA'd. Adonis Medea was fantastic the other night, but fortunately gets optioned. But if you're the Mets, especially with DFA'ing Jason Shreve, you got to go out there and get another lefty reliever in that bullpen. Josh Hader maybe, but I find it hard to believe with the Brewers sitting in first place in the Central, I find it hard to believe that they're going to be willing to excuse me, trade away Hader. Maybe they will at some point. But given the fact they're in first place, they have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Cardinals and how good Hader is and has been this year, I it would take a King's ransom for the Brewers to probably cough him up considering the, the position they're in right now. But the Mets are still kicking ass. 21 games over five hundred. Is what is their lead <clears throat> over the Braves right now? And I look up quick. It got down to two and a half games at one point. Just like we all knew it. Not to to enjoy this, the Mets killing it the way they are, but also know that they are in a position where, like last year, it's three and a half games now. Their lead is over the Braves because they're in. Oh, the Braves lost last night. Did not realize that because Spencer Strider started last night, started the game with nine straight strikeouts, had 12 overall over, I believe he pitched six innings, and they still lost that game. That sucks. Anyway, uh, we all knew the Braves were going to come back. So it's just a matter Last night on the broadcast, Gary and Keith were saying, or was it Gary and Ron, were saying last night that the Mets have 15 games the rest of the year against Atlanta. And they firmly believe, with how both of them are set up right now, the rest of their schedules, those 15 games will determine the NL East. And I agree 115%. If the Mets win 8 out of 7, or if they go 8 and 7 during those 15 games, preferably the Mets would likely need to go, if I had to guess, maybe 9 and 6 or 10 and 5 over that 15-game stretch to hold off the Braves because if the Braves win a majority of those games, the Mets are going to need a lot of help from other teams, and you don't want to rely on help from other teams when you're trying to win a division. So I think the Mets are in a good spot to at the barring a San Diego Padres 2021 collapse. I think the Mets are in a position where at worst-case scenario, they'll be a wild-card team in the playoffs, but you want that division champion you want that little less stress on you as opposed to a wild card series so I think the Mets are going to have to win a majority of those games and not rely on other teams down the stretch being like oh we can win all these games but we need this team to win we need this team to win we need this to go this way the Mets do not want to be in that position so if they can avoid that at all costs that would be ideal tonight Chris Bassett makes his return from the COVID injured list against Who's pitching for Miami tonight? The Mets face Sandy Alcantara again. So we'll get to see him. I believe he pitches Sunday. So we don't have to worry about that till Sunday. Um, actually, 
Bassett. Tonight is Pablo Lopez. All right, so we're going to see a nice little pitcher's duel tonight between Lopez and then Bassett returning from the COVID list. For anyone worried about Bassett from being on the COVID list, he said he had no symptoms at all, which is very good, which means he should not He should be able to go full throttle, I would assume. Tonight they won't have any restraints on him or anything like that. Then tomorrow Carrasco gets the mound, and then that would mean Taiwan Walker. Yep, Taiwan Walker gets Sandy Alcantara on Sunday. That'll be a good one. Maybe the Mets can get to him a little bit. But we're going to wrap things up by our new segment. We're going to go around the diamond. Starting at first base, we're going to cover. So with this, we started. I started it last week. We're going to do this around the diamond. Start at first, go to second, third, and then back home for this day in baseball history to kind of cover the big topics going on around the rest of Major League Baseball. Starting at first base, I made a TikTok about it. Freddie Freeman, that whole situation has absolutely boggles my mind. So for those of you who have still not seen it, so Freddie Freeman made his return to Atlanta two weeks ago at this point, which shows how, how late I am to this. Makes his return to Atlanta, he's crying, the Braves honor him, all that good stuff that, that was expected, you know, we want that to happen. Then, after that series in Atlanta, it turns out that Freddie, or it didn't turn out, this is what happened, Freddie Freeman fired his agents, and he would be self-represented until further notice. Then, a reporter comes out of nowhere and tweets that Freddie Freeman fired his agent because, reportedly, the agent did not tell Freddie Freeman his fi- the Braves' final offer to him because he knew the Bra- the that Atlanta that Atlanta offer would be accepted by Freddie Freeman and Freddie Freeman would go to Atlanta and the, the report is that he Casey Klaus who Klaus or Klaus I apologize for mispronounce that that he did not tell Freddie Freeman the final offer from the Braves because he knew Freeman would take it resulting him going back to Atlanta signs in LA cuz he would get more money and then the agent would get more money I believe Rachel Luba, who's Trevor Bauer's agent, she commented on it and said something along the I don't understand the financials with agents and all that stuff. I'm by no means an expert, but I believe she mentioned something like typically agents get like 4 to 5% or something like that from the player's contract. So obviously if they have an opportunity to get more money, they want to take it. This guy is, it's not Scott Boris that his agent is, but it is very, if this is true, if it turns out all that's true, because we'll never know what really happened, but if it turns out all that's true, and Casey Klaus never told Freddie Freeman that final offer, that is the scummiest thing ever. And they're reportedly, I was listening to another podcast, and Casey Klaus also has Trevor Story as a client. And Trevor Story was offered the same, the deal he got with the Red Sox, he was offered the same deal with the Texas Rangers, but they turned down, he turned down the Texas Rangers offer because he wanted more. And then Boston came in with literally the exact same offer that the Rangers gave him. And he just so he just ended up in Boston. Whether that's true or not, I do not know. I'm Again, I'm by no means an expert on uh, agents and financials and all that kind of stuff. But that is, I made a TikTok about it. That is horrible if that, if that really happened but let's round first hopefully we can put this freddie freeman 
the Freddie Freeman saga aside, and we can head on over to second base. Talk about the All-Star Game voting. So first of all, uh, Rob Manfred announced today that Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols will be listed as legends on the for the All-Star Game, which he talked about doing that. And I thought he, when they said legends, I thought he meant like retired guys. Like if they wanted to bring back Barry Bonds and someone else or something like that. But it turns out uh, they're doing legends in the game. Pujols and Miggy are as the legacy picks. Pujols, I feel, Pujols has to be there. It's his final year. He's one of, He is the greatest hitter of this generation, passing the torch to Mike Trout. So not having Pujols there is... I think would be shameful. Miggy also nearing the end of his career. I think it's great that he's there too. But so so far the fine the starters will be revealed at seven o'clock tonight on ESPN. Aaron Judge and Ronald Acuna Jr. Because of the way the new voting system works, they had the most votes overall. So Aaron Judge and Ronald Acuna are already in. They're already starting. Tonight we'll find out the rest of them. I don't think Pete is going to win out. Uh, over Goldschmidt, I think Pete should be the starting DH because Bryce Harper's hurt. He's not playing in that game. They need a DH. I think that Pete should be the DH if Goldschmidt's going to hold him off at first base. Starling Marte is the only other Mets finalist. I think Marte, uh, I can see a toss-up. I don't think Marte will get it, but I can see a toss-up between Marte and Jack Peterson for an outfield spot, the other two being Acuna, of course, and then Mookie Betts probably being the other one. But overall, uh, Pete and Marte will pro in a pitcher probably Diaz. Diaz has been great this year. If I had to guess, the Mets all eh. Well, also, Taiwan Walker's performing like an all-star. Jeff McNeil's performing like an all-star. Brandon Nimmo's performing like an all-star. A lot of these guys are performing so well. I think the Mets are going to have probably four or five all-stars. I could see them. Pete and Marte are probably definites. And then I would also expect uh, McNeil, maybe Lindor, maybe, and also um, Edwin Diaz being in that mix as well to go to the All-Star game. And Nimmo, I could see Nimmo make a case. You know, I could see Scherzer because he's Max Scherzer, Taiwan Walker. It's, well, let's see what that one. I think the Mets have the oppor- an opportunity to have a boatload of All-Stars compared to other teams and comparative to years past last year. Who were the Mets All-Stars last year? I want to say it was just Jake, wasn't it? I think it was just Jake. Where was the All-Star game last year? 2020 All-Star game. Now this is going to bother me, so I'm going to have to look it up quick. Was it in Atlanta? Oh, wait. It was in Atlanta. Wait, not 2020. 2021, excuse me. Was 2021 the one that was in Atlanta and moved to Colorado? It was. That was last year's. Who? Yeah, because Otani started. Who was the Mets? Was it just Jake? I don't remember. It was Jake and Taiwan Walker. Oh, that's right. That's right, because Taiwan Walker had a a very bad second half last year. So Jake and Taiwan Walker were the Mets All-Stars this year. Uh, Jake obviously won't be there this year. Taiwan Walker can make another case. He's been great. We're going to have to see on that one, though. But let's head over to third base and stay on the pitcher's mound with Chris Sale. Um, if you haven't seen the video, 
So Chris Sale is rehabbing on his way back. Uh, and Chris Sale did not have a great outing against Scranton, which is the Yankees AAA affiliate. There is a video of him in the tunnel uh, ripping a TV off the wall and throwing stuff around in the tunnel. Uh, this isn't the first time that Chris Sale has had a, I guess, scene, if you want to call it that. I want to say maybe it was 2016 or 17. Let me see when Chris Sale did the jersey incident. So if you remember correctly, Chris Sale like cut up a bunch of jerseys because he didn't want to wear the throwback jerseys that they were supposed to wear. So he cut all the jerseys so no one would wear them. When was this? Oh, it's not going to tell me when it is, isn't it? Well, Chris Sale has done this before. Um, that's, I don't really know what else to say on it. That's, <laughs> I think Chris Sale has joined the category of MLB players that are borderline insane on a list that consists of also Max Scherzer and Madison Bumgarner. So... And I think Chris Bassett might slowly also, and Tyler McGill may come onto that list because Tyler McGill and Chris Bassett are so calm on the mound, it's con quite concerning. But let's head on home with this day in baseball history today in, oh, I just had it, where'd it go? Today in 1941 at the All-Star Game at Briggs Stadium, Ted Williams hitting 405 at the break. Homer's off Chicago Cubs picture Claude Passeau with two out and two on in the ninth inning to give the AL a dramatic 7-5 victory. That year was the 400 season from Ted Williams. How many players have hit over... Is it just Ted Williams? How many players? Twenty players have reached the 400 mark in MLB history and five have done so more than once. But Ted Williams was probably the biggest. Ted Williams hit 406 that year. He was over 400, two, 400 or higher two other times. In 1952, he hit 400, but that was over the course of six games, so I don't really think that counts. And then in 1953, over the course of 37 games, he hit 407. So I don't really think that counts either. But a full season in 1941, he hit 406. Finished second in the MVP voting that year. One of the greatest hitters of all time. That's pretty cool. That's... I wonder... I don't think we'll ever see a 400... I'll ask you guys this. Do you guys think we'll ever see a 400 season again? I, I don't know if we will or not. I think the pitching today is too good. And, and it's too analytically driven that we're never going to see a 400 hit season again. But that remains to be seen. But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Raise the Apple. We're going to try and get back on track with Wednesday's episodes next week. The Mets, 7 o'clock tonight. Tomorrow is Keith Hernandez Day. The Mets will be retiring Keith Hernandez, number 17. And hopefully they can keep the mojo going against the Marlins. The offense kind of snapped out of it a little bit. Hopefully Bassett returns well tonight. Make sure you subscribe, follow on TikTok and uh, Twitter, and leave any questions, comments, concerns down below. We will see you guys next week on Raise the Apple. Let's go Mets.